Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. When we look at the political and ideological landscape forming, particularly in the United States, the topic of transgenderism is one that is at the forefront of the conversation. And the reality is the church really needs to be ready for the onslaught of damaged persons and also many who need to hear the gospel that are involved in the movement. So today we are so excited to bring none other than someone who specifically has not only transitioned but detransition and ultimately came to know his Lord and Savior, J- Jesus Christ. So we want to welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, Walt Heyer. Welcome to the show, brother. Hi, thanks. Great to be here. Appreciate the time. Well, Walt, I, I got to be honest, I think I've seen a number of your interviews and I've had a chance to read your books. And I am just beyond excited for this because I really do believe, as we stated in the intro, I really do believe that the church needs to be ready for what has kind of been happening for a long time in our country, not only to do with laws and so forth, but also so many damaged persons, and that the church needs to be ready for counseling on these issues. They need to be ready to share the gospel with those that are involved in what is called transgenderism. But I think the best way to start this whole thing is to just hear your story. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I don't even want to give anything away. I don't want to bury any leads. I want you to tell your story about how you have transitioned, detransitioned, and where you are today in Christ. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, my story started in 1944, so uh, a long time ago. I'm 81 years old. I'll be 82 this year. And so in in, uh, 1944, at four years old, um, I was cross-dressing with the assistance and affirmation of my grandmother who made me a purple chiffon evening dress. Now, looking back, you know, over 77 years later, 78 years, you know, I can see what grandma did by making me a dress uh, and my putting the dress on and her encouraging this and, and sort of affirming me how cute I looked and so forth. Today, we know this to be child abuse. Um, nobody's born transgender. Uh, transgenders is a childhood developmental disorder generally Uh, encouraged by parents or by something that happened. And so as a result, and I think this is so instructive for all of us to understand, that purple dress started a a cascading group of events, just one simple what seemed to be benign and harmless purple dress started this cascading events that has me talking about it 78 years later. Now, so kind of let that sink in a little bit. If putting a boy in a dress is harmless, why in the world am I still talking about the harm that was done some 78 years later? It's because it's destructive. It's emotionally, psychologically, and sometimes it becomes sexually abusive to do this to children. And why do I say that? Well, after putting on uh, the purple dress uh, and wearing it for two and a half years in secret, because grandma said, this is our little secret. We don't want you know your mom and dad to know. And anytime we know that somebody's keeping a secret, what do we know? 
we know that there's something wrong with what you're doing because uh, you don't keep secrets for things that you're proud of doing. Uh, but when my dad found out about two and a half years after I was cross-dressing at grandma's house quite frequently, uh, then he began to use a hardwood floor plank as a discipline tool because obviously this, we're, we're in 1946, 1947. There's no words like gender dysphoria, transgender. He doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is his mother-in-law cross-dressed his little boy and he's not happy. And so he's going to try to uh, shape me into a man with a hardwood floor plank, much like a blacksmith might do um, by heating up some iron and putting it over an anvil and pounding on it. He was going to try to pound me into a man as best he knew how. And so that was, that was the result of a purple dress. Uh, my dad wasn't a violent man. He was an abusive man. He was really quite, quite nice, but he was really, uh, perplexed by what had happened. And then his adopted brother, a teenage uh, adopted brother, decided because I was wearing the purple dress that he would, um, I was a uh, game for being sexually abused because, you know, there's, he, he must have thought, you know, you must be homosexual, you must be this or that. I was never homosexual. Um, so he started uh, sexually abusing me. So as a result of the purple dress, I was hit with a hardwood floor plank and I was sexually abused. And what we know today, and this is really crucial for everybody if you have a pencil and paper to write it down. This is what we know today that causes people to act out as a transgender and say that they're a different gender. And that is called adverse childhood experiences. They're called ACEs. And what we know today also, the research is very clear on it and they've been researching this since 1997, is that actually these events in a young boy's life or young girl's life actually causes or interrupts proper brain development. It actually alters the brain and it begins, begins this process where you have disordered thinking. In other words, your thinking is not proper. Uh, you've been affected by what's happened to you and you develop a variety of disorders such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorder, body dysmorphia, the list is quite long. The problem therein lies with when you, uh, as I did, suffering with these things all through my life, I got married, had children. Um, I was, you know, a believer and, and go to church and the people at church just, you know, their eyes got biggest uh, footballs because they didn't know what to do. They, they had no idea except you're a sinner. And um, that was all they knew to say. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. Certainly um, what happened to me was a sin. The way I was acting out was a sin, but I was an abused child. And so uh, fundamentally, we need to understand if we're going to help abused individuals, that we need to be in a position to understand how to help them. And so we have this new tool now to know that adverse childhood experiences requires not a gender therapist, never a gender therapist, always avoid a gender therapist. You need a trauma therapist because this is all about trauma. It's not about gender. It's not about gender because no one in the history of mankind, no one in the history of mankind, I'll say it three times so nobody misses it, no one in the history of mankind 
through the help of a surgeon, hormones, medical treatments of any kind has ever changed a man into a woman or a woman into a man. It can't happen. It doesn't happen. It's never happened. And yet the churches um, seem to be complicit oftentimes in saying, oh, you have gender dysphoria. Well, the fact of the matter is nobody has gender dysphoria. Sorry to let you know that. What people have is a condition that was caused by adverse childhood experiences. Now, there are some kids that do it just because it's socially fun to do. Uh, they're experimenting. Uh, they're doing it because their friends are doing it. And that's why we call it a social contagion. But beyond that, it's something that happened in their childhood. And so if we're going to help them, we need to begin to understand that. I didn't actually go to a gender therapist until I had tried to deal with the sexual abuse, the emotional abuse, and, and so forth. All the way into time I was about 38 years old, I went to a, a gender specialist in San Francisco. His name was Paul Walker. He happened to be the original author of the WPATH standards of care that's in place today. He was the world-renowned therapist. I was making a great deal of money in those days and went to him in his Union Street office. And he said, well, you have gender dysphoria and what you need is hormones and surgery. And I'm going, really? And so he explained, this is, this is the proper and effective treatment for this. Well, uh, I need to stop and say, that's a lie. There isn't anybody nobody ever need hormones or surgery. It, it just is absolute nonsense. And so our churches need to become equipped in understanding that when somebody presents themselves as a transgender, they've suffered something. And if we're going to help them, we need to help them find a trauma therapist. And so we have these terms that I know people really love. There are all these different names they have for therapy. Well, nobody really needs um, reparative therapy. They, they need a trauma therapist to deal with the trauma that they've suffered to overcome those issues. And so uh, I, I also was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And before I could deal with those issues, I had to get several years of recovery before I could be effective in dealing with those things. So if we're dealing with pornography or drug addictions, any kind of addiction, and trying to recover at the same time, it's not going to happen. You need to rid yourself of your addictions if you're going to begin that process. I was fortunate uh, in having two or three therapists at church that I worked with who helped and guided me uh, back to good psychological health. And so that's when I found the Lord Jesus Christ again. I thought I knew him. I thought I was a Christian uh, living as a transgender. The fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit doesn't really enter your life and, and you don't really get to feel the robust glory that you feel after you detransition when you're living the life uh, that is not the way God intended you to live. And I think for all of us who are believers, all we need to do is open our Bibles to Romans 12 2. Do not conform to this world. And it, and it tells us in there in Romans 12 2, if you read that, put it on your refrigerator, put it on the mirror, put it wherever you want. I was thinking about getting t-shirts made up that way because it tells us don't follow the world. Transgenderism is a worldview of transgenderism. It's not a biblical view. And churches should not be uh, buying into it, supporting it, encouraging it, affirming it, putting 
people who identify as a transgender man or woman in the pulpit or giving them leadership roles, in my opinion, they have not found uh, the proper healing. And when they do, then they can be real effective in providing guidance and care for people who are suffering from these issues. So uh, that's kind of the, uh, the story in a nutshell. I'll answer your questions and we'll go from there. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you said obviously the abuse, you know, especially from a young age and then obviously from your uncle there, obviously led this led you down this trail uh, that, I mean, just heartbreaking. And it really shows how destructive sin is, specifically sexual sin that took place. And, you know, you mentioned abuse there. And before I go, I want to go back to your testimony a little bit. But before I do, I just want to ask in terms of the relation, you mentioned that that correlation there between abuse and transgenderism. What have you found in terms of the numbers of people that have this, what people are calling, which, as you said, it doesn't really exist, gender dysphoria, and those who would claim they have that, and abuse that has taken place in their life before that? Well, uh, my website, Sex Change Regret, I've had for, I don't know, 12 or 14 years, and of the thousands of people who've written me that I've written back or talked to on the phone or, or done a Skype call with, what I can tell you is 100% of the people who are uh, contacted me because they regret having gone through it, all, every one of them suffered from some sort of abuse during their childhood. That is an incredible statistic to even fathom that uh, so many people have had this abuse and then it comes out in this regard. It's, it, it is really heartbreaking to hear that. And I, I wanted to go back a little bit to your testimony because you seemingly went uh, into life and ended up being very successful in the world's eyes while having uh, this somewhat in the closet. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I became an associate design engineer on the Apollo space missions after going to school and, and working in the area of cryogenics for the Apollo space missions. Um, I was, I'm a driven person. Uh, I like uh, to get into the details and, and learn what's going on. So that really uh, helped me a great deal in my career. After working on the Apollo space missions, I went to work for American Honda Motor Company and became uh, one of the nation, national executives in charge of uh, all the operations ports in the United States for Honda and responsible for the movement of all the cars, uh, their locations and everything, working with about $27 million worth of contracts and about 300 people were under my care. So, you know, I, 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 I have the ability to dig in and understand things, and that's what I've done uh, since I came out and, and began uh, dealing with this transgender stuff, I wanted to get to the bottom of it because what I know is, is from the people who contact me, something had happened to them. And now that we have a way to identify it, and we call it ACEs, ACEs. Um, so once we look at that, then we can begin to provide effective sound treatment. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, this doesn't, uh, it's not a harmful way to deal with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. People think, oh, well, you're being abusive. Well, it's not abusive to tell somebody you suffered and, and that requires treatment, but it doesn't require somebody cutting off your body parts. It doesn't require somebody filling you up with hormones. It doesn't require somebody changing your pronouns. It doesn't require somebody changing their name. It requires an effective 
treatment primarily from a trauma therapist who are experienced in dealing with these things. Wow. And so to get back into that testimony of yours, I mean, you came to a place, you were obviously meeting with this Dr. Paul Walker, and you came to a place where you said, okay, it's time for me to transition. Now, do you remember specifically what it was that when you decided, okay, yeah, I need to transition from being a man into being a woman, or at least thinking that you're transitioning, so to speak. Do you remember yeah. what was going through your mind and and, and it, was there some resistance or did you just go headlong into it, trusting that the doctor was giving you good advice? Well, from the first time that he mentioned this to me was in 1981 and I didn't actually go through the procedure until 1983. So there was a great deal of time and, and reflection. I think the thing that I, I would say that was most important at the time. There were nobody speaking out like I am. Uh, there were no contrary voices saying, the bridge is out, the bridge is out, don't do this, it's not effective, it's harmful, um, and and putting words to it, no, it's not gender dysphoria, it's uh, adverse childhood experiences you had. So because there was no one there at that time, I had no other voice. I certainly had the Lord Jesus Christ, but our churches were ill-equipped. Uh, I went to a Christian therapist in Pasadena, and what his response was was quite remarkable, actually. He was a psychotherapist, and he told me, well, I guess at this point what we should do is curse Walt and bless Laura, and you should get on with your life as Laura. Well, that oh. actually was absolutely foolish. And so um, these are the things that all too often uh, Christians want to take the path of least resistance. They're afraid to stand up in the trenches. They're afraid they're going to get hammered uh, by the LGBT or something. Um, you know, it's okay to get hammered for the truth. It's okay mm -hmm. to get hammered when you're saving somebody's life because that's what we do. And so uh, I, it's so important for us to know that nobody has ever transitioned. There are no transgenders and Gender dysphoria, that, the fact of the matter is there's a word just dysphoria. If you detach the word gender from it, there is a term called dysphoria. And when you look that up, and anybody who's listening to me can just look up dysphoria. Don't put gender in front of it. What is dysphoria? Now, if you keep going, you'll dig in and you'll find out that dysphoria is a generalized condition that uh, actually talks about it, dysphoria being a symptom, not not a diagnosis, but a symptom of mental issues, symptom of mental issues. So um, they put gender in front of it for one reason only, so that they could administer hormone therapy and do surgery on people who were unsuspecting about their underlying comorbidities that were caused by adverse childhood experiences. And so I'm exposing them uh, for the liars they are. I'm so glad that you are, Walt. And it is it is a real blessing to hear that because people really do need to be on the front lines of this and recognize what's taking place because it's a spiritual war. I mean, these are these are I believe Satan is waging war uh, specifically on young people who are who are tr literally taking these hormones and I'm sure you can speak to this a lot better than I can. You've done the research on it far more than I have, but I've come in contact with young people not even knowing actually I was a wrestling coach at the local high school here for a number of years, and I remember we had someone sign up. It was a freshman kid, and that freshman kid had a 
more facial hair than I do. And I was like, oh, okay, didn't think anything about it. But the mom was trying to contact me, said that they had a recent surgery, didn't know anything about it. But we're talking about 14, 15-year-old child who mm-hmm. has been taking so many hormones and has removed their breasts. And now that's who they are trying to be is a young man. And I, I would love for you to speak a little bit to that because I was heartbroken. I didn't realize it at first and, and they actually ended up quitting and leaving the school. And it was a very sad situation that took place. And this is happening more and more. And these young people are taking these hormone blockers uh, or steroids or whatever that they're taking. And it is it is really harmful. But maybe you can speak a little bit uh, to really the harm in doing this at such a young age. Yeah. Well, you probably remember a football player named Lyle Alzado. Mm-hmm. And he died from taking anabolic steroids because they're a powerful drug. They're addictive. And what are hormones? Anabolic steroids. And so we need to understand we're giving our children addictive drugs. This, the gender clinics are drug pushers. And once they get you hooked uh, on this process, uh, you're either going to have serious complications. Uh, the women that contact me after going through this that have that facial hair and their bodies have been radically changed, that want to go back, that want to detransition because they say it was a mistake, they, uh, they find themselves in a horrible dilemma because now they look so much like a man that there is little that you can do to help them in many cases. It may take 10 or 15 years. I've had girls as low as uh, 15 years old. I worked with one that was 13 years old who detransitioned through my mom, her mom and myself helping her. She started at 10 years old. She detransitioned at 13. She's a beautiful young girl today. She's so glad that she almost got on those blockers. There was a therapist ready to do that. We intervened. So what we know today is that there is nothing more destructive, more harmful to women than them taking the steroids, testosterone, growing beards, changing their appearance. What we really need to find out before we ever administer these things to individuals is what's causing you to not like who you are. What happened that caused you to think you could become someone else? What many of them that I've worked with, 60 to 70 percent at sexual abuse, the balance, it's emotional or psychological or abandonment or some kind of uh, trauma that happened to them, maybe an illness in the family, a death, a suicide, uh, something traumatic has happened. And once we sit down and help that person identify the issue, that they can see this is what caused them to have this disordered behavior and disordered thing. There's nothing good about thinking you're not who you are. Because if we look at the whole idea of identifying as someone else, listen to real, this is close as you can to this. It is the most self-destructive process anyone can go through. You have to destroy who you are to become someone else. Is that just not insane? We, we stuff hormones in ourselves like I did. We cut body parts off. Why? Because we we're sexually, emotionally and psychologically abused and never got the proper effective treatment from somebody who really cared enough to tell you, you don't need to do this. Nobody needs hormone blockers. 
They're not even made. Hormone blockers were never intended to be used on children to suppress their hormones. They were actually uh, intended for kids who had a struggle early on with legitimate difficulty in developing uh, properly at a young age. So they're using these drugs as off-label. They're, they're totally off-label. In fact, the surgical procedure for men was actually originally designed to help men who had testicular cancer, and they would use this procedure to prevent them from dying. So it was never, the surgery was never intended to make anyone, anyone a woman. In fact, no one's ever become a woman. Is that just not the most insane thing that we are buying in and uh, almost codifying the idea that people change genders? No, they don't. These, this swimmer, Leah, uh, is a man. Mm-hmm. identifying as a woman. We can identify as women. We just can't become a woman. We can identify as a man, but we can't become a man. And so why we have dove so heavily into this insanity and why our churches aren't speaking more. I've had the opportunity lately to speak at more and more churches. Um, some of them let me speak from the pulpit. Many of them want me to speak on Wednesday because they think it's too dangerous for me to speak on Sunday. But <laughs> You know, I speak from Romans 12, too. If we can just get it, we don't need to conform to the world. We just need to follow Jesus Christ. That's, you know, that's a pretty simple lesson for us to learn that we're being duped and tricked. And I, I will tell you that today the LGBT and these trans identities has morphed into uh, what's become, unfortunately, social Marxism. And the whole idea of giving people hormones and surgery on their behalf is to destroy the nuclear family. It's to destroy the foundation of the church because the foundation of the church is based solely upon man, woman, and family, not transgender, transgender, because transgenders don't give birth to anything. Mm. If they've had the full surgery, they're incapable of, of providing sperm. They're incapable of delivering a baby. Uh, if they've had the full surgery. So what we're doing is we're destroying people. This is a very destructive, almost Frankenstein-like process. No, it is really, truly heartbreaking. And we really do need to to stand up against this. And and as you as you are, Walt, and, and stand up against what's going on with so many of our young people. This is just normative now. And it seems, you mentioned that it's a Marxist. It's a Marxist cult, really, because yes. I've looked at some of the writings against you, I've looked at them, and I've listened to uh, even young girls who were detransitioning at a younger age. We've played clips on here of literally them trying to shut down a young girl talking about how she's detransitioning. And she basically, if you go at all outside of the cult, it's, I, you know, throw everything at them. So maybe as someone who has detransitioned, what sort of blowback have you gotten from the other side of maybe the transgender rights proponents? Well, you know, they gave up on me a long time ago. <laughs> uh, they they know I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I had somebody write me a note and, and he said, uh, hurry up and die, old man. You make me sick. I said, I wrote him back and said, thank you for your nice note. I'm 80 years old. It won't be long. Just be patient. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love it. You know, you do have to have a sense of humor sometimes. 
I guess if you weren't getting any tomatoes thrown at you, you probably aren't doing anything against uh, Satan. So, I mean, it's just the reality that, that what's going on. And we want to make sure that people recognize we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. There's principalities, there's powers, there's there's dark forces. I mean, this is a spiritual battle. And, you know, you in 1983 had transitioned, uh, so to speak. And yep. then you decided you were going to detransition. What was it ultimately that got you to a place where you said, you know what, I need to go back to being Walt? Yeah. Well, it was probably a series of things, but one of the things that probably was most effective, I was studying psychology at UC Santa Cruz, and I was in the library. I was studying some uh, subjects who had gone through this, and I, I read one documentary story. I think it was from Cornell University. I'm not positive about that, but they had studied this individual who had, his mother had passed away, and he was very close to his mother, and it wasn't long after that that he began to identify as a woman. And they began to uh, have give him psychiatric care, psychological care, because he was very depressed. And what, what they found out was that he identified as a female in an effort to keep his mother alive. He actually believed that if he identified as his dead mother, that in some way he was keeping her alive in him. So if we can understand how diabolical this is, that someone wants to take on the identity of, 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 of a mother he loved very much, but how ineffective that is in the long run because he eventually uh, was struggling, as many of them do. You're 19 times more likely to die by suicide uh, after going through this procedure, according to Swedish studies. And so I think it's important that we provide effective care and not carve people up and harm them by giving them, you know, all these different hormones and procedures. It's actually a group now. There's, uh, I think it's March 13th, March 12th, or uh, maybe. It's called Detransition Day. There's so many detransitioners. Now they have their day. And you can look it up, Detransition Day. And there's some remarkable testimonies that are coming out. They're young people. And believe it or not, uh, they're saying the same thing I am, uh, that, that, that they never should add the hormones they never should have gone through this process. You can look them up. There's a lot of detransition stories now, literally uh, from Europe to here uh, on Twitter and so forth. There's thousands and thousands of people who are beginning to uh, speak up and talk about the, the horror of going through a procedure you never needed because somebody said you had gender dysphoria that you never had, by the way. But that's the trigger mechanism. Boy, if you get diagnosed with gender dysphoria, then you then you can go to the medicine cabinet, get the hormones, and begin the process of destroying your life because that's what it is. It's it's the suicide you live through. That's what transgenderism is. It's the suicide you live through. Wow, that is that. <laughs> I mean, those are those are some strong words there, and and that is so difficult to even comprehend. Uh, someone living out that lie, and it really is truly devastating to think about that. And I have to ask you, you know, and I know you mentioned this study and I, maybe you can go a little further in that because you do have sexchangeregret.com. You mentioned that a couple of times, but I want anyone that maybe has clicked on this and is watching this to know where to go. If they're like, you know what, I, I need, I've re, I regret what I've done. I need someone to talk to. Uh, so please go to sexchangeregret.com and check that out. 
And you had mentioned this, uh, a study talking about those who got the surgery, because it does seem it's almost esoteric for people that I have this this special knowledge that I need to get and I need to have this feeling. It's this body that I've been given. And once I get to this next step and I once I transition, then I'll feel open and free and then I'll, I'll, everything will be great. But you're saying that's not the truth, that once the transition actually takes place, it seems like it doesn't have the benefits, not that I'm surprised, but that it doesn't have the benefits that they're, I guess they're sold this bill of goods that uh, they're going to be happy now and they'll have this true knowledge of who they are once they can finally look like a woman or a man opposite of what they were born with, um, what they were born with. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting about this is that there's, I've had people write me um, three weeks after the surgery saying they regret it and want help. I've had people write me, um, everywhere all the way up to 40 years after doing the surgery. So we don't know when um, the insanity for them is going to clear up and they're going to finally have clear thinking. But it was about two months ago when a gal uh, who had transitioned to a man said she'd been going to church uh, for 20 years and she finally, it hit her uh, during a sermon that she was not living for Jesus Christ. She was living for transgenderism. And she said, I want to shed this transgender identity and put my identity in Christ. And so that's what she did. And now she's living as a female again, instead of the male that she'd been living for 40 years. And, and she's now giving her testimony. So I think it's, it's so important. We don't know when people are going to uh, come through this and come out the other side and, and have regret. But what we know is the vast majority of them regret it somewhere between five and 15 years. That's where the bulk of the people uh, end up regretting it and contacting someone. Or many of them uh, won't detransition because they have a job as a school teacher or they have some job and they, they feel too entrenched. They still have the regret wishing they could detransition, but they feel like they'll lose their career because they uh, spent so much energy uh, and resources on getting to where they were in their career that if they were to tell their employer, geez, I, you know, this was a mistake, that their employer might dismiss them, they'd lose their uh, retirement and so forth. So out of fear, they remain living out this life they don't want to live anymore. And there's a lot of those. Mm, wow. I mean, that is so sad. And, you know, you mentioned it uh, specifically. I think you called it something of a sociological contagion or something along those lines. And I guess for those who are proponents of transgender rights and so forth, they would tell you that now people are just out of the closet. Now there's always been transgenders and now they're just able to come out freely and express themselves as such in this day and age. But what do you believe is the actual phenomenon going on here where we're just seeing it more and more regularly where I didn't see it that, you know, men dressing as women in terms of out at the store or, you know, or whatever, very rarely yeah. uh, growing up, but now not so much. Now, what do you believe yeah. are, are the factors for that sociological phenomenon? Well, there's a key factor. Uh, uh, it all happened in 2013. Uh, when the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders came out and said that it's now gender dysphoria, because up to that point, it was always gender 
identity disorder. It was considered a disorder. So uh, it carried with it um, and required a therapist to actually dig in and find out, which is what we should be doing, by the way, what happened to them that caused them to want to identify as somebody else. So up, up till 2013, uh, the DSM was correct. Uh, but then we got all these little um, snowflakes in there who are afraid that they're going to offend somebody. And by the way, you know, they offend me every day uh, with their nonsense. So I don't know. I, I don't mind offending them if I can help somebody detransition. So uh, they just offend people with their absolute insanity. So 2013 was when this began, when they said it's gender dysphoria. They added the word gender in front of a word dysphoria and we're off and running. So there's your your coaxing into it. And then we, we, we look at the Obama administration who hired, I think, 200 czars uh, through the LGBT to promote transgenderism, homosexuality, lesbianism, by the whole nine yards into the school system, into every crevice and corner of our government system that we were supposed to affirm and acknowledge and do these things for this, this group of people who actually need some good psychotherapy that had something happen to them. Doesn't make them bad people. It's, it's you know, this idea that we need therapy because of something that happened, that's not stigma. That's just accurate information and we should get it. I mean, if your arm is bleeding, you know, you go, you stop the bleeding. For some reason, this whole psychological thing when it's connected to sex, People don't want to deal with it. They say, well, let them have whatever they want. We'll call them whatever they want. That's why we're where we are. So then we got it in the schools. Now the schools are teaching kids how to be transgender. They're instructing them. We have them looking at pornography. We have them looking at all these different things. We even have some schools practicing how to identify as a transgender or gay or lesbian. Um, you know, they should take all the teachers, lock them up and throw them away if they're doing this stuff. I'm sorry. This is child abuse. We have turned our country into uh, an abusive system on our children. And I will say this, I've said it before, we're destroying an entire generation of children who will not be able to have a family, who cannot have sperm put into uh, a woman's uh, egg and produce kids like many of them do now when they contact me. Also, I'm, I'm not a homosexual. I'm heterosexual. 90% of the people who contact me are heterosexual. I don't know why everybody out in the big world thinks that everybody who puts on a dress is a homosexual. No, they're suffering. They're suffering from something that happened to them. They were sexually abused. They were emotionally abused. They were physically abused. Something happened. Ladies and gentlemen, they aren't born that way. Never. This is a childhood developmental disorder that parents, teachers, and our scholars in many places are afraid to step up and talk about and say, no, 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 we shouldn't be doing this. We should shut down every gender clinic there is and turn them into trauma clinics for kids who've been hurt. We don't need gender clinics. We need a group of trauma therapists that actually help the kids. Amen to that. I mean, Justin, incredible. And I love to see your heart because it is time to say something. It's it's a serious thing. And when you're talking about that this is child abuse, child abuse, I really believe that more people need to recognize that for what it is and call a spade a spade. Stop, you know, yep. let you know, stop 
you know, you know, just walking on eggshells here when the reality is, is this is wicked, what is going on to these children. And the fact that parents are allowing this to happen and you have separated and divorced couples that one parent is trying to transition this young boy or young girl and the other parents freaking out, pulling their, you know, hair out. No, no, we can't do this to our child. Because my daughter picked up a baseball bat, oh, you know, or my my yeah. son picked up a doll or something, and and it's and it's truly truly devastating what is going on. And so I I, I got I want to go through just a few of these really important questions, some FAQs, if you will, because sure. there are those, and you mentioned them. I don't even like to say they're Christians because I don't believe that many of them are. Some could simply be confused, and that's fine. But a number of them that are perpetuating this evil on these children, uh, I can't consider them and, and give them a hand of fellowship. But they, a lot of people, and this happened, I mean, you had people that would fight against porn, and I remember reading an article, and they were like, and the article was uh, basically that Bruce Jenner's real name is Caitlin, and that's what I'm going to call her. And I'm like, wow, man, what what happened here where people are considering and thinking that God has actually made people transgender. So, Walt, I would love to ask you the question specifically. Do you believe that God has made people transgender? Never. Never happened. Never will. The only people making transgenders are the people in the gender clinics who are lying to them and telling them they're transgender. They're the ones that are stuffing these poor saps full of hormones that they don't need and cutting off body parts. Later on, they're gonna wish they still had, and they're gonna be uh, near suicide like one of the young men I'm working with today is 27. He's, you know, two days ago, he called me suicidal. He's been calling me almost every three weeks. He's suicidal. And so fortunately, we've got him a therapist that he's able to contact. So we're destroying these kids. So uh, no one has ever, no church, no God doesn't make transgenders. The gender clinics make transgenders or make them think they're transgenders. And they, they really, that's a lie. You know, a, a very hot topic, topic uh, button issue, so to speak, is the issue of conversion therapy. And this is something that you know, there's always, you know, the memes of, you know, I think Mike Pence, you know, electrocuting and doing electric shock therapy on homosexuals or something. And this has, I mean, so many connotations. Uh, but really, the, the question I would like to know is specifically, what is conversion therapy and why does it have such a bad name? Yeah, well, it should have a bad name because the only people doing conversion therapy, the only people doing conversion therapy are the gender clinics because conversion therapy is taking a normal human being, filling them with hormones and cutting off body parts. They're the only ones doing conversion therapy. They're trying to assign conversion therapy to what I do because someone contacts me and said they want to detransition. That's not conversion therapy. I'm helping them uh, find their way back. So they've already converted when they've called me or when somebody goes to a pastor and says they're struggling and, and they, you know, they don't have same sex attraction. They don't feel like they're transgender. And so they guide them uh, in what they want to do is come back to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not conversion therapy. That's just helping somebody. 
I'll say it again. The gender clinics are the only ones doing conversion therapy. And it is abhorrent what they're doing. And they should be stopped. If anybody should be stopped, it should be the gender clinics because they are the ones, the only ones on planet Earth doing conversion therapy. No, amen to that. And now you've written a book, Articles of Impeachment Against Sex Change Surgery. So what is it, I I would say, uh, in in terms of this book, what is it you're trying to accomplish through this book specifically? Yeah, what I did with that book is I took a lot of the articles that I'd published and and put them in there. And, And what I want people to see is the history, because we've been talking about the harmful effects of this. I, I published these articles. They've been published since 1979. Uh, a homosexual endocrinologist working at a gender clinic in New York uh, named Charles L. Illenfeld. Uh, he was a transgender activist, homosexual. He's, his testimony uh, was that he worked with, uh, he worked for six years with 500 people who transitioned. And he said, I'm leaving uh, doing work in that clinic because I see too much unhappiness and too many of them end in suicides. I'm going to become a psychiatric therapist so I can help the people find out what's really wrong with them because the issues are much deeper than hormones and surgery can actually work or, or help. Wow. So, you know, and this this one, you can take your time on this one because this will be a, the last question that I have for you, but I think it's maybe the most important one. If we mm-hmm. have someone who uh, has has loved ones, uh, specific people they care about, maybe people in their family, maybe a daughter even, maybe a cousin, whatever it may be, who identifies as transgender or has gender confusion, what do you think that somebody like that should do in order to help this this loved one? Well, what I always do, uh, this is what I do every single time, Uh I, I, I work through the parents when they're young people, and I ask the parent to uh, sit down in a quiet room, just one parent, not two parents, just one parent, sit down with the child and ask them why they don't like who they are and, and ask them to explain that. Because uh, the parents who do this and say what a lovely girl they have or what a handsome boy they have, and they begin to affirm them as God had made them, and, and then ask the question, why don't you like who you are? And where did you get the idea that you could become someone else? We learn a lot when we do that. And they begin to say, well, my friend did it or, or something happened to me. Or, you, you know, these are, these are the instructional moments when we ask these questions. I would also uh, suggest many parents might even know what happened, uh, but they have a hard time admitting what happened. Maybe they know that the father of the girl uh, sexually abused them because the father abused other people that they're aware of. I've seen this happen numerous times. Uh, So I I think it's important also to understand that many of the children are learning from the computer. They get on these games and many of these games are pornography. Um, they're, They're sexually explicit in transgender areas. So if you're a parent, I would uh, take the time to look at the history on your son or daughter's computer and, and see what they're looking at. And it may be necessary to take away their computer. It may be necessary to have the computer in the living room and not in their bedroom. 
They shouldn't be alone with a the computer. These things can be very dangerous. They can actually be very harmful because of the people that are on the other end of that computer. So uh, put it on, put the compu their computer on the coffee table so everybody can see what they're doing. Look at the history that's on there. Find out why the child uh, doesn't like who they are. What's causing them to do that? Are they involved in a social contagion? They have a friend at school who identifies as a transgender. Are they in a group? Many times girls seem to collect together four or five of them and they all begin to identify as boys. We've have even had cases where they go to a gender clinic and all get hormones at the same time. Well, they all don't have gender dysphoria. This is just um, kids being kids. And so it's harmful. We got to keep them away from this. Uh, the drug pushers at the gender clinics who are pushing the drugs, uh, anabolic steroids that are harmful, uh, they're addictive uh, and very destructive. Um, and so I, I think it's important for parents to get more involved. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look at the computer history and gain some information. You may have to take your child out of school. You may have to do homeschooling. I said this, I think, six years ago when I was at Flower Mound, Texas, talking at a church. I said, take your kids out of church now. I mean, excuse me, not out of church, uh, out of schools and, and put them in a church school environment because they have those. Many churches have good schools. And those are the schools they need to be in, not the public schools. They're very destructive because they're immersed in the ideology. They're immersed uh, in the LGBT community and they're doing a great deal of harm to this generation. So parents, just sit down with your kids, talk to them, find out why they're doing this. Don't be alarmed by it, but become involved in it and learn why they don't like who they are. And they'll probably tell you. I love that. That's such beautiful advice, uh, Walt. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. This has been an absolute blessing and hopefully an eye-opener for so many people. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show, Walt. My pleasure. Thank you. And God bless you. And I hope that people's lives are changed for the better today and we save a few in the process. Amen, brother. I could not agree more. And I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure to check out not only his books and his literature. We'll have all the links in the description but also check out sexchangeregret.com. And you could always refer somewhere to there, someone to there, and let them know, hey, there's people out there who have detransitioned, and they'd love to talk with you. So thank you so much, Walt, and thank you guys for watching. God bless you guys. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show, brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.